When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Tell Me About Your Mother. I'm Amy Westervelt. Last year, an essay was making the rounds in my various writer groups, in which a young writer wrote heart-wrenchingly about breaking up with her mom. Here's a bit that really grabbed me. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Growing up, I was always at my mother's side. Whether it was at the grocery store, my hand carefully intertwined with the cart as we navigated the aisles, or at the library where we sifted through the shelves picking out the next Judy Bloom book that we would alternate reading from before bed. Anything my mother set out to do, I willingly followed. As years passed, however, our dynamic changed. I outgrew our grocery store trips and bedtime reading. These activities were traded in for gab sessions in the garage where my mother sat, chain-smoking, for one, two, sometimes three hours at a time while my clothes soaked up the stench of her cigarettes. Her conversation topics ranged from her disappointing childhood to the current state of her inadequate and financially unstable life to her marital troubles with my stepdad. Through tears, she would share with me that my stepdad refused to touch her and that he'd been rejecting her sexual advances without explanation. I offered all the sage advice a 16-year-old could give on reigniting intimacy with a spouse and prided myself on my ability to alleviate the tension that regularly spread throughout our house as a result of my mother's constant upset. I felt like I was the balance keeping the rest of my family together. And this idea was further supported every time my mother leaned over and told me in a hushed tone, appropriateness aside, that I was her favorite. Living in a small town like I did meant you were either supposed to excel at sports or in school. In regards to both, I was mediocre at best, but I was good at being a daughter. According to my mom, I was the best. Mother, tell your children not to walk my way. Tell your children not to hear my word. Oh, mother. So good, right? That was writer Samantha Ladwig from her essay, Breaking Up With My Mom, which ran in Bust Magazine this year. To me, this essay really hit home. Um, I didn't have a mother who shared the intimate details of her relationship with my father, thankfully, but I did have a mom who kind of saw in me a surrogate adult friend um, who made me her confidant, her therapist, um, her best and seemingly only friend. So I was really interested in talking to Sam about what aspects of that relationship seemed the least healthy for her and what it was that eventually led her to cut off contact with her mom. I was also interested to find out how she's managed that and whether she thinks she might at some point see her mom again or if she thinks that that will never happen. 
So Sam was nice enough to meet up with me last time I was in LA. We found a little square of grass to sit on and she told me her story. Here you go. It's cold out here. It's so cold. When's the last time you, you talked to or saw your mom? Well, I saw my mom back in April uh, for my grandmother's funeral. And that we didn't speak. We hugged a couple of times and um, sort of parted ways. And that was that. And I will occasionally get texts from her. So talking is sporadic, but I don't respond. For example, a couple of weekends ago, she had been on a road trip with my grandma in South Dakota, and she had texted me that, she, you know, not to worry and that she was in South Dakota. And I made the mistake of texting back and saying, uh, I, you know, I, I don't think this was meant for me. I think this was meant for somebody else. And she had claimed it was for my brother and that she didn't have her glasses on. And then it just sparked... Uh, you know, several texts after that and very urgent, please call me as soon as you can. And I just shut them off and deleted them. Can you walk me through your kind of decision process in cutting off contact with your mom? It's a long story, I know. It, it's, it's a long story. It bounces uh, back and forth. I'd say the first time that I really thought about it when, and I mentioned this in my article, is when I went... Uh, into an eating disorder program and started to really dive into my mother's and my relationship and not knowing that that's what was going to come out of it and although I had you know knew that I wanted space from her I didn't actually consider the thought of cutting off communication until that program um, and I remember it specifically because I was going to dedicate a few of my therapy sessions um, as sessions between my mother and I and after my family group session and seeing sort of the chaotic nature of how everybody interacted and how I was going to process that, I just said, you need to, I need to learn how to uh, deal with how my mom is instead of trying to build that relationship. And then from there, we sort of bounced off and on of communication. She, I don't mention it in the article, but there, you know, is mental illness and, um, you know, drug related issues and there's alcoholism in my family and so there was like a year where we didn't speak um and not just because of me but because of where my family was at mentally and then all of a sudden after not really having a relationship for a few years my mom you know I moved to LA and she sort of came out of this fog that she'd been in and we tried to mend our relationship but I just saw certain patterns coming back and it really freaked me out and I got really angry and I thought I can't figure out my my new life in LA because I had moved from Seattle I can't process that and process this new relationship that I wasn't anticipating um and I just sort of cut it off from there and um I'm gonna point people to your article to read too but um but um my read of it was that your your mom is was very sort of emotionally dependent on you and um, kind of put you in the role of, I don't know, like her therapist almost for a long time. Can you delve into a little bit of that? Like how, I don't know, how that sort of evolved between the two of you? Yeah, I think, I think she had always done that. I have an older sister and my sister and I are very different people. Um, and I often wonder that if my sister was 
similar and if she had lived in the same household as me when I was a kid, if my mom would have taken to her instead of me. Um, but I've always just been very quiet. Um, I'm a good listener. <laughs> and I think my mom, as I was growing up, needed a listener more and more. And I took it as being sort of a best friend and not really understanding the consequences of a relationship like that um, until I was out of out in college and I sort of started paying attention to my friends' di- parental dynamics and seeing how mine differed from theirs. Um, but I and I don't I don't look back. There was a lot of chaos growing up, but I don't look back on it ne- negatively necessarily. Um, you know, my mom was a big reader and that's, I'm a huge reader and she loves old movies and I work at a film archive now and, um, you know, and she was very paying attention now. She just went through cycles where she would have tons of energy and she would be very outgoing and she had a huge laugh and could easily win over a crowd. Um, and then all of a sudden become very reclusive and just as the years went on, it just she became reclusive instead and there wasn't a lot of that but I I'm trying to to recall because it's it's not just between my mother and I there was a lot going on you know my in the article I mentioned that my stepdad went on unemployment um so he was really depressed so then my mom leaned on me for that uh there was just a lot of events that happened and instead of speaking to friends she sort of shut herself in and turned to me and I was fine with that up until I noticed that that is not a normal mother-daughter relationship and when I started to feel like it was taking away from the life that I wanted to live. Do you feel like you're like worried about people being kind of I was going to say emotional leeches but that's like a very strong (laughs) term (laughs) and Um, I know that like obviously of course it's this kind of catch me too like, like mm-hmm. you want to have a close relationship with mm-hmm. a parent and support them and whatever but there's this line that you know it starts to become too much so I'm curious if it's like I don't know if it's impacted how you interact with other people too oh it it definitely has um I am very reclusive I'm very particular on who I spend my time with and to some extent I think you know who am I to judge who's worthy of my time but it's more of like uh, I just I just don't have the energy ever I think I'm still I think LA is such a busy loud city um that and and just working in an office environment in general where everybody's saying yeah hi how are you hi how are you it's like I just need to not open my mouth for a couple of days so I'm very particular and emotionally I have a very hard time uh connecting with people I would say I'm very good at conversation um, but in terms of taking conversation to the next level and becoming friends is very difficult for me. And especially now when you're out of college and all that, it's much harder to make friends. And yeah, I just, I, I see it popping up. And then I, I, and I also, when I'm in terms of other family relationships that I have, which is very different, I always feel like a burden, Whenever I ask for any sort of emotional support, it, it makes me nauseous. I don't, you know, and I really have to work on not being that sort of, uh, I can go it alone 
Brene Brown uses that. <laughs> um, but and I, it's, that's, that's not how it works. That's not how I'm going to survive. But taking that step forward, I definitely feel like a burden and I have to get, get past that. Because I don't, I don't want to do... I have to work on this, but I feel like I usually compare how, my relationship with my mother to every relationship that I have. I don't want to be the burden that I felt, that I was angry at her for. Um, and I don't want to be a recluse that I feel like she was for a very long time. I want to make sure I have a community. So it's this weird balance. I feel like it's a daily thing that I have to navigate through, but I feel like I'm in a good place. <laughs> That's, it's interesting, though, because, you know, you're, you've made this decision that, like, you know, that relationship wasn't working and, but like it still impacts your life so mm-hmm. much even when that person's not present all the time yeah I would I would say that I, I I think about it every other day randomly throughout the day um it's not you know and sometimes it's just a fleeting thought where I'm walking home but sometimes it'll hit me out of nowhere and I start to sweat a little bit it's like that you know uh body shock Um, but I don't quite know what to do about that. I sort of take it as it is. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, I never feel like I, oh, I should call, you know, sometimes I think maybe I should, but I don't, it's not, I know I'm not going to do that. Um, it's just a thought that pops into my head. Um, but it's hard. And I think about it a lot when I'm speaking to family because family trying to navigate this new dynamic is, has been very interesting. There's either support or just complete confusion yeah. and also anger. Um, and uh, you can't explain yourself to everybody. Not everybody's going to get it. And um, my sister, she's 31 and she lives at my dad's and has lived at my dad's for, you know, off and on we'll move in with a boyfriend or something, but she... Um, is an alcoholic, and she, my dad gets very upset that she's still around. And I, I all I think is, you got to just shut the door. <laughs> you got to change the locks. You got to do something because you're just enabling this sort of pattern. And but for some people, it's it's harder. And I can't imagine the, like uh, being a parent. I interviewed tons of women on their who are estranged from their mother, and it was specific to the mother. And I did research about it and. It's really interesting because most people will break from their father just fine. But the minute it comes to, and siblings as well, but the minute it comes to a mother-daughter dynamic, the mother rarely breaks things off. It's most mostly the, the daughters and dealing with the aftermath of that is the biggest struggle compared to any other relationship. It's like your mom is sort of like your first female role mm-hmm. model in some ways. And like... Well, and there's this... Uh, maternal relationship. There's the ideal image of what a mother is supposed to be. They're supposed to be nurturing and and giving. And you know, you always see movies where the mother freaks out because nobody's paying attention to all the th- you know. And the truth is that most relationships aren't like that. They're much more complex. And uh, I was talking to some, uh, a man the other day who was talking about how we, as a society, tend to expect 
all women to be good mothers and we don't have that expectation of men on the fatherhood mm-hmm. front. It's like, if you're a good dad, that's great. It's like an individual thing. It's not, it's like, we're, we're not surprised if a guy's a bad father, yeah. you know? Yes, definitely. <laughs> well, when I was doing research for that piece and I, I came across something like that where that's part of why it's so, that relationship is so difficult because the expectations we place, uh, we expect giving, you know, them to give and dads are sort of looked at as these hard masculine people who may or may not hug you may or may and you might be angry about that later but it's not there's no real nurturing um expectation expectation of it and I found that so interesting because it's true and then I felt so guilty I was like the expectations I put on my mom (laughs) I, I yeah and that was a that was a hard both pieces were hard to write but that one was and hearing other people's stories um, was was definitely hard. And hearing, you know, part, one of the questions in the questionnaire was, um, you know, have you gone to therapy or how have you processed this? And it was very clear some of the people who had not been to therapy, either it just happened or how people, pro- what stage people were at. And just reading people's stories was quite shocking to how they got where they are yeah um do you do you think there's like anything that would make you um I don't know like want to re like reestablish contact with your mom um I've thought about I it's interesting because some people are very when I was interviewing people they were very strict on I'm never speaking to this person and I never cut off contact with that thought I never thought from this day forward because it's just you can't really expect that unless you want to cut off I think if you have other family members around it's they're not just going to go away it's going to be a hard thing that you're going to have to struggle with continually holidays are coming up that sort of thing Um, but I don't know what would make me want to but I also I, I don't see myself not talking to her in the future but I don't ever want to tell her that because then you're just sitting there waiting and, and I don't want to, I've caused enough harm on her, I think with this. And, and I don't mean to laugh about it. It makes me very sad when I think about it. Um, but it was inevitable and I don't think we would have sustained a healthy relationship if we, and, and yeah, and maybe one day, yes, but I don't want to say yes or no. Cause I have no idea what's going to happen. Do you, I don't know, like, do you imagine any sort of, like, ideal scenario where you're, like, <clears throat> I'm asking this because I do this with my mother sometimes, where I'm, like, it'd be so nice if she would just show up and be, like, you know. <laughs> so I'm wondering if you, um, I don't know, if you have any sort of um, idealistic maternal fantasies. I don't, I don't think I do. You know, I lived with my aunts and their twins. Um, I was there. I started living there right when they had their twins. And um, watching them be parents was very eye-opening. And, you know, and they're in, in a different sort of financial state to provide certain things that, I, you know, weren't available to me. I mean, we weren't poor by any means we had a lot of family help um but yeah just watching they're both working moms and but the time that they give their kids 
is so lovely to watch and just absolutely shocking because I don't, you know, I remember my mom getting mad if I had to stay home from school because I was sick. I, she would have this sort of idea of, and I, and I, I see this randomly, um, you know, even before we cut off contact, but she has this image of herself, I think, where she has idealized herself as a mother, that she's very giving, um, and everybody has their own interpretations of things. But the, the minute it takes more than, you know, an hour to give, she just shuts down. Um, you know, my, my sister was sick once, and she was annoyed after an hour. She was annoyed that she was there. When is she leaving? She wants X, Y, and Z. And it's, you know, and she, she just, I think, is incapable of providing a certain amount of energy. Um, so watching my aunts, I was like, that's, you know, that's interesting that technically this is by the book what parents are supposed to act like and be like. Um, but I don't, I was never jealous. I don't, I never thought, oh, I hope one day my mom's going to be like that. Um, yeah. And, and just you think babies don't pay attention or don't. We, so we were, we went to foster care for a brief stint. I was maybe less than a year old, maybe a year old. My sister was four. She remembers it and I don't. But I was watching, you know, living with these kids for a couple of years and they hit the age that I would have gone to foster care. And um, my mom always brushed it off as my, you know, my, your sister's being ridiculous. She needs to get over it. And nobody ever gave an explanation of why until I went to my food program and she was like, you should ask questions. And I was like, that's an interesting thought. I've never... Questions. Okay. Um, and my aunt's kids, uh, the twins, they are you, fixated in routine. Kids are fixated in routine and I've never considered that. And, you know, one of them would go, they would have to do you know, go out on business to, you know, travel, business travel. And the kids would get really upset, even though one stable parent. And I was, I just remember thinking like, holy shit, I wonder what, how upsetting. And maybe that's why I can't. And then I just went into a deep spiral pit of maybe that's why I can't connect with people. And it's so hard for me to invest in, you know, emotions and all that. But, um, yeah, I just... It's nice to see how, what families, what, you know, what they can be, but I, I've never idealized and I don't ever see it changing. It could get better, but I, in terms of that sort of typical mother-daughter relationship, I just don't feel yeah. that that will happen. It's probably healthier, really, to sort of accept that, like, this is who this person is. Mm -hmm. uh, so what was the answer to the, the uh, foster care question? Did you ever get an answer to that? Well, so... I was out at dinner with my dad, and my dad, uh, it's so funny because I, I remember not liking him when I was growing up. I mean, I, I liked him, but I never felt emotionally connected. It was sort of my mom and I against the world, mm -hmm. and my parents were divorced and did not get along, and were both very vocal about it. Uh, and so spending every other, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so spending every other weekend with my dad was a, a bit of a, not not a nightmare that's too harsh a word but just not as enjoyable as I if I had known him how I know him now back then it would have been a delight to go over but when I went in my food program it was so funny no, 
he was the only person that showed up. I mean, we all had like a group session and I ended up started starting to live with my aunts at that point. Um, but in terms of coming to, you know, sessions, because every once a week you could invite anybody to come to this discussion session and he showed up and I, it was just not what I expected because when I had told him I had food pro- problems, he said, well, stop, just stop throwing up. Just, I don't, I don't understand. What do you have to complain about? And I was like, but, and he, he's still like that with certain things where I'm like, I don't understand how, you know, we're, you know, we're able to communicate when we have such opposing views. Um, But we were out at dinner one day and I said, you know, I have, I am sort of curious. And my therapist asked, you know, told me, suggested I ask questions. And he said, that he had gone on vacation, not vacation, he had gone away for business. And my parents, my dad was abusive to my mom. From my mom, I heard this. Um, so everything I hear is third party, and I'm always like, what's the truth? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so they had a rocky relationship, and then she had fled, left, put my sister and I in foster care, and when he came back, she was gone and we were gone. Um and then he said, this is upsetting me. I don't want to talk about this. And that's, so that's all I know because I was like, well, how did you guys get us back? And I got out before my sister did. And why weren't we together? And why the hell didn't we go to some family member? You know, there were all these sort of questions where it was like, I don't understand how we got from A to B. Yeah. So the story goes. <laughs> uh, but I, I used to think like, I don't, you know, I used to agree with my mommy. I don't understand why my sister's so upset until... I was around, yeah, and I thought, holy shit. And I, yeah, I wonder, sometimes I wonder if that's why I'm so quiet. Well, I think I'm quiet because of just the chaotic nature of my family in general um, and not really having any room to process any of my emotions or events. Um, But that experience, I wonder if that just shut me (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure it had some impact. mm -hmm. Um, Do you, has it, um, has all of this, had any impact on um, your thinking around whether or not you want to have kids? I've never wanted kids. There was a brief moment where I thought this would be fun. Um, I love kids and I'm so happy my aunts had twins and I'm watching them grow up. Uh, And my partner, his brother has two kids and, and they're lovely and, but I just don't, and I don't think it's because of my family. I just don't think that's, I like quiet. <laughs> I think I would be a good mom, um, which is sort of a hoity-toity thing to say, I guess. But I, I do. I think I would be, I think I've done enough therapy to know myself. Um, I listen to Zen Parenting Radio, even though I'm not a parent. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I don't. And I guess that's a good thing because that would make things exponentially more complicated just with who's allowed to see and, you know, I don't don't want to deal with that. (laughs) Mother, tell your children not to walk my way. Tell your children not to hear my words. What was what was sort of the 
most interesting or like most moving thing that you've learned in your research and talking to other people that are estranged from from their moms? Was there any like, I don't know, consistent theme or um, lesson you learned? I I guess the amount of people who are dealing with estrangements because they're um, when I did that Broadly piece, they posted it on Vice, and somebody had commented. There was over a thousand comments, and um, somebody commented that I saw and said, this is the only post I've seen on Vice that actually has nice comments. <laughs> but it was all of these people everywhere going either, you know, thank you for writing this, or just sharing their own story, or going, oh my god, I felt so alone. I got tons of... Um, emails from my website after people had read the bus stuff just saying you know just talking about their own stories and it's just shocking I think it can feel like such an exclusive experience exclusive makes it sound like it's good yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. I know that's not the right word but you get what I mean but um isolating isolating experience yeah Yeah. and it and it's I can't you know I I'm I feel grateful that I never felt alone in that. I think because I started processing it in a group environment where a lot of people who were going through um, their eating disorder it sparked from family relationships. I think there's a common misconception that it's all food and body related, and it's not in the slightest. Um, so yeah, I think the amount of people who've come out and shared stuff. And, and it makes me want to write more, so I'm, I'm writing a book um, that's sort of about, you know, Is My Mother Really That Bad? It's a working title, um, where I sort of process through certain events. Because I, I don't think my mom is a bad person. I don't, and I think that's why I don't have certain expectations of her. I think my mom is just who she is, and the stage that we're at right now is not, you know, connecting at all. And that's okay, um, but yeah, because I, I, a lot of the responses I got as well were anger about their relationships, where they were sharing stories about not, you know, they want to cut communication, but they can't, and my mother, you know, X, Y, and Z, and it's, and I, I find that I, my hope is that people will overcome that anger, yes. um, you know, however they get to that, but. I th- I think just memory and people's perspectives and it's just an interesting yeah it is interesting I I have quite a few friends that are estranged from their moms mm-hmm. actually and some are still very actively angry and yeah. it really impacts their lives mm-hmm. like it's surpri- it, it's surprising sometimes yeah it's, in some cases it's people that have been estranged for a very long time Mm -hmm. and it still like will spark this like Mm -hmm. you know very angry response to something or something will trigger like a a memory about that or or something and yeah it's tough it makes me think of this time when I took this writing class at the Hugo house which is this writing place up in Seattle it's Mm -hmm. wonderful yeah um and this woman we were in like a memoir writing class and it was just a two-day course, and so the first day you sort of process the type of book you're writing, and um, we were all going around this, the room and, and sharing our stories and, and what we wanted to write, and this at the end, this woman who was first to share got so flustered, and she sort of, you know, perked up and said, I'm just, I don't know if I can write my story because, you know, 
at your age, she points to one, one woman, she said, at your age, I experienced X, Y, and Z. And then she points to me aggressively and is like, and at your age, I experienced X, Y, and Z. And I remember vividly thinking, how are you going to write a book? I don't ever want to be that angry. That's not good storytelling, eh? <laughs> um, and I don't want to be in my 50s and having that define me. Yeah. And I think it's very easy to fixate on your origin stories and let it be a def definition of you. And so overcoming that makes it all, you know, more of a struggle. Yeah. So, but it is interesting uh, when I was doing the interviews and the, the anger that I felt from a lot of it. <clears throat> and just like, you know, they can go to hell or it's like, oh, this is okay. <laughs> You're still in it. You're still in it. <laughs> Yeah. I feel for you. <laughs> you got to work on that. <laughs> it's not going to get any better. Yeah. Well, and it just has such an impact on your own life. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, and you're it, not it's actually real... punishing them. You're just sort of punishing yourself. At that yeah. Point. And there's a lot of grief with it. I think, how do you over, you know, they're not dead. They're still there. They're still talking to people that you talk to. So it's uh, way more complex to, navigate you know it's not like you're breaking up with a boyfriend and it's just very cut and you know not that that's cut and dry but there's an element of separation that you can see that it's it's wavy when it comes to family and especially a mother who's so integral you know was Samantha Ladwig speaking to me earlier this year. I'm definitely looking forward to reading her book. And in the meantime, I'll link to both her essay and the vice story she did on maternal estrangement in the show notes. And you can check those out. Speaking of books, we had a bit of a lapse in production there because I was working on my own book, Rise of the Matriarchy, which will be out next fall. Thanks for bearing with me. I'll be getting back to a regular schedule in the year ahead. And I already have a lot of great episodes planned and recorded. We'll delve into cheating moms, Latina motherhood, the loss of a mother, and what it's like to be a famous mommy blogger. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Tell Me About Your Mother is produced by me, Amy Westervelt. Our original music is composed by B. Beeman with original illustrations for each episode by James Guthman. You can find us online at tmaimpod.com. That's T-M-A-Y-M-P-O-D.com. Or follow us on Twitter at About Your Ma. If you've got an idea for an episode or feedback to share, shoot me a note at amy at tmaimpod.com. Yeah.